as, as Christians, we've taken certain passages of Scripture and we have made them seasonal. And we've taken certain words in the Bible, and this is a common practice uh, in the church worldwide. We've taken certain words in the Bible and we've relegated them to a particular time of the year. We particularly do that sometimes with Christmas. And one of those words is Emmanuel. Say Emmanuel. Emmanuel is not just a name that we use at Christmas time, but it is a promise to us. Emmanuel is a uh, lifestyle for us. It's a life that we live in Christ Jesus. God is with us. Say that with me. God is with us. And from the time that he came as a small baby until now, he has always been with us. And I came to remind you this morning that no matter what you may be facing in your life right now, he is still with you. Say amen, somebody. So in Matthew chapter 1, you have the birth of Jesus Christ all the way down to verse 24 where we read that he says she brought forth her firstborn son. And when you get to the second chapter, it starts off, and Lauren doesn't have this in the screen, I'm just going to read for you how it starts. In the second chapter of the book of Matthew, it starts off by saying, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem. Now I want you to understand something in this passage of Scripture. There were between two and three years that passed from Matthew chapter 1 until we begin reading verse 1 of Matthew chapter 2. Uh, there were two to three years that had passed after the birth of Christ. The wise men did not come to the birth. Now, I'm getting ready to blow some of your minds, but that nativity scene that we have in the foyer, the one that's on my coffee table at home, and the one that you have in your home, I can guarantee you all of them have the wise men worshiping at the child at the manger in the stable, right? But that is not actually what happened. It was two to three years that had passed after his birth before the wise men found him in Matthew chapter 2. We don't even know how many wise men there really were. We sing, we three kings of Orient are. But there could have been three or there could have been 30. We don't know how many wise men there were, but what we do know is this. They brought three gifts to Jesus. And we do know that it took them over two years, sometime over two years, to get to Jesus. But we also know, and I'm Pentecostal, so I really like this, we also know that when they found him, the Bible says that they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Now, I don't know about you, but I can't rejoice with exceeding great joy without making some noise. I see some smiles on some of your faces this morning. So, I don't know about you, but when I found Jesus, anybody else wander around a little while before you found Jesus? The wise men went on a journey, and they were looking for him for two to three years. But when I found Jesus, I found something that changed my life forever. And ever since that day, I've been rejoicing with exceeding great joy. Pastor, why do you worship the way you do every Sunday? Because I found Him. I found something that changed my life, and I'm going to rejoice with exceeding great joy. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. The Bible says that the star rested over where the Christ child was. And so, now, they came into town. These wise men came into town, and when they came into town, a ruckus 
ensued. They came in with this large party into town, and the townspeople got upset. Jerusalem was in turmoil, and Herod was also. And he inquired from these wise men, he said, what are you here for? And he being the king, I want you to think about this, they said to him, well, we're here because there was a king born to the Jews in this town, in this area, somewhere right around here, possibly. They said to the king, we're here, we didn't come to see you, we're here because there was a king born in this town, and we've come to worship him. Well, they were close. It was Bethlehem is where he was. They had to go on just a little bit farther. But when they told Herod this, Herod got upset about this, and I had this in my notes and debated upon, upon taking it out, but I didn't, and I said it at 8.45, so I owe you the same to say it to you this morning. Herod got upset because all politicians are paranoid. And then most of them will do anything to keep their job. Can I get an amen? So Herod got upset. And here's what he said. He said, well, he said, you guys go find this baby. But you let me know when you find him where he is because I want to go and worship him too. And of course, we read on and we find that they were warned in a dream by the Lord and they were told, don't go back to Herod because he seeks to harm the child. And so they went on and they found Jesus and they worshipped him. And they laid their gifts, the Bible says, at his feet. Can you imagine that excitement that must have been there on that day? The celebration, the mood, the atmosphere that Joseph and Mary and all of the relatives got to experience. And you need to understand that there were a lot of relatives there and lots of friends because you had all of these men that had traveled from foreign countries to come uh, uh, on camels bearing gifts to come and find this Jesus and to worship Him. What a moment in history. But then you read on in that same passage of Scripture and you find, then they leave. Because you see, every time that you have a great moment in the Lord, it won't last very long. The wise men left. Now it gets quiet. It's like when the angel came and announced to Mary that she was going to bring forth the Son of God into the world. Not just you're going to have a baby. The angel come and the glory of the Lord, the Bible says, shone round about her. And, and she was prophesied to and told, you are going to conceive a child and you are going to bear a child and they shall call his name Emmanuel. You're going to be the one to bear the child, the Son of God. And I believe that that room was absolutely filled with the glory of the Lord that night. But then the Bible says that the angel left. And when the angel left, Mary had to be the one to figure out how to live with this stigma. Now you think about it. Sure, she was blessed. Sure, she was chosen. Sure, she was handpicked by God to to conceive of the Holy Ghost and bear the Son of the living God. But after the glory of the Lord filled that room, she had to learn how to live every day with people talking about her. 
She had to learn how to live every day with people saying, oh, she's not pregnant with the child of God. She's been with that man, Joseph, that she's been hanging around with. She's not carrying the child of God. Because you see, in your life, sometimes the Lord will show up. And when He shows up, the glory will come. But then when you turn around, the glory will leave. And here's what you've got to do. You've got to learn how to walk it out by faith. Say amen, somebody. So the wise men are now gone. And family and friends are all talking about it, but the family and friends are disappearing as well. Kind of like this week. You're going to have your time with family and friends, and then family and friends are going to disappear as well. Some of you are already looking forward to that. But anyway, the family and friends were gone. And then I notice in my Bible, and I want you to look at your Bible if you brought one this morning. If not, and you read off the screen, that's fine. But if you have your Bible, I want you to look in your Bible in Matthew chapter 2. Because I was reading this story this week at home, and, and these words in bold, right above verse 13 in my Bible where my thumb is, you can't see it, but there's, there's a, a, a passage or a, a phrase in bold that says, the flight into Egypt. How many, how many have that in your Bible? Let me see your hands if you see that. The flight into Egypt. Right above that passage. Well, that's so strange to me. It jumped, it just like it just jumped off the page to me because we're reading about them having this wonderful celebration and this visit that they have with men of renown from a foreign country. They have worshiped Jesus as the Messiah. They have just worshiped him and proclaimed him as the deliverer of Israel. But now they're gone. And the people have gone back home, and then God appears, and here's what God says. Get out of town. Run. Think about this this morning. It does not say, walk to Egypt. It does not say, stroll to Egypt. It says, flight into Egypt. I want us to go back and read that passage again, if Lauren will put it back on the screen. Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. Follow along. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt. Now there's desperation right there in those words. Flee into Egypt and be thou there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. What does the Bible say that your adversary does? He roameth about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Another passage says the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Let's read on. And when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt. He didn't wait till the next morning. He didn't wait till he got up and had his coffee and brushed his teeth and got the family ready. Hello, somebody. No, when the angel of the Lord spoke to him in the dream, he got up in the middle of the night and said, we got to go. God said, go. And he took off to Egypt that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, out of Egypt, I have called my son. I said all that to say this, the question that I have as a believer, as a follower of Christ, is this. If you are called and anointed of God, if you have been touched, if you have been saved, if you have been delivered, then why in the world would He then make you run for your life when you already know you're in God's hand? Why? He already made promises. He's promised to be your provider, right? He's prompt, well, right, do y'all know that? He's promised to be your protector, right? And He's promised to be your God. But then He says, 
take off and run for your life because somebody is after you to kill you. And we want to get all super spiritual and we want to say, but what does it matter if they're after me? You called me. You are for me. Well, that may be true. But that's just like the question, why would God deliver Israel from Egyptian bondage with a mighty hand? Why would he literally, if you know the story, roll the waters back and let them cross through the Red Sea on dry land and then let the waters close in on Pharaoh and his army and destroy them only to get them to the other side and tell them, you got another enemy coming after you. Why? What, what if? What do you do? Uh, why do that if you're anointed? Why would God do that if you're called, if you're chosen? Why does God allow the enemy to get right on your heels sometime? Is there anybody else in the house besides me that'll be transparent and say, sometimes I feel like he's right on my heels. Sometimes I feel like he's right on my back. Why do you have to flee to Egypt if you're a child of God? Go to Egypt. Because you see, in Scripture, did you know that Egypt is a symbol of sin and bondage? Did you know that? So we read here that God is telling Joseph and Mary to take Jesus, his very own son, down into a place that represents sin and bondage. Go down there in that sin and bondage place and live there until I tell you to come back. Listen, they didn't know anybody. They didn't have any relatives. They didn't have any friends. They didn't have a job. They didn't have a house. Just go. Run. How lonely it must have been at times to be in a place where they didn't have anybody. How lonely it must have been at times to be in a country that they absolutely detested. Why would he not let them stay in the promised land? I'll tell you why. Because you're dealing with God. And God cannot be figured out. His ways are higher than our ways. And his thoughts are greater than our thoughts. What does the scripture say? In Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 21, and they don't have that one on the screen, and I'm going to paraphrase it. It says, many are the plans of men, but the will of God will prevail. So he says to you this morning, go ahead, make all your plans. Go ahead and live your life. Go ahead and budget plan it, do everything you can, but I'm still God, and I'm still going to do what I'm going to do. So here we read that God's son is in Egypt with a crying mother, I believe. Now you'll be quiet on that one, but I know how some of y'all are when you're going through trouble in your life. If you had just bore the son of God, been ridiculed by everybody, talked about and run down, and said that you wasn't carrying the Son of God. And then after you had him and delivered him, then you got told to run to Egypt where you didn't have no friends, no house, no job, no money, and nobody. I believe some of you all would be going, oh! you'd be singing what's on hee-haw, gloom, despair, and agony on me, right? He was down there, and I believe that he had a crying mother. And don't tell me she wasn't crying every day. Don't tell me that she wasn't saying, how on earth did we get here? Have you ever asked that question in your life? How on earth did we get here? And you can't tell me that Joseph was confident and that he was faith-filled because I believe that he was walking around saying, this is the most confusing thing I've ever been in in my life. God, what are you doing? Have you ever asked that question? We don't have anybody down here. And sometimes, I want to tell you this morning, sometimes God does that to people that he calls. I'm going to preach just a little bit. He did that to Joseph. God raised Joseph up to preserve Israel during a time of famine. God sent Israel to Egypt, his called nation. 
And God allowed Joseph, He allowed Joseph to be sold into slavery. To be separated from his family. He was lonely, crying, miserable, and confused. But still, he maintained his integrity. When Potiphar's wife, if you know the story, liked what she saw, and she tried to seduce him, it would have been so easy for Joseph just to have chosen to lie with her. But he did the right thing. And the Bible says that he ran right out of his garments trying to get away from that woman. But that made her that much more angry. And she accused him anyway. You hear your pastor this morning. Because sometimes in your life, when you choose to do the right thing, it makes the devil angry. And he will falsely accuse you anyway. And he might even get some people to believe the story. Potiphar's wife did. She convinced them that what she was saying was the truth. And they believed her and they put Joseph in prison anyway. He did the right thing thing and he still had to deal with the same consequences they would have dealt with had he willingly done the wrong thing but the bible says multiple times when you read the story of joseph there's a little phrase i'm still preaching on emmanuel he's still with us there's a little phrase when you read the story of joseph multiple times throughout his life it will say this but God was with him. Some of you didn't hear what I just said right there. But God was with him. God wasn't talking. God wasn't moving. God wasn't doing anything that he visibly could see. But God was just with him. And God is the one who allowed favor to be placed upon Joseph. And when the time was right, God promoted Joseph from the pit and from the prison to the palace. I came to tell you this morning, time after time, you see whether it makes any sense or not, God will allow His chosen people, His children, to flee to a place where they're uncomfortable and they don't know anybody. He'll allow you to wake up one morning and have no idea what's going on in your life. You'll feel abandoned by everything and everybody, including God Himself. But God is with you. I said, but God is with you. You won't be able to explain it. You will feel like your faith has failed. You won't have any answers. It will even be difficult for you to find a praise on your lips because you're in Egypt. You know God. You know who He is. You know what He said. You know what He did. But you're in Egypt now. But I want to tell you this morning, there's a reason for it. I said there's a reason for it. God sent His own Son with His mother and his father down into Egypt into sin and bondage to protect him. To protect him from danger. To protect him from the enemy. He sent him into a strange place because God uses strange ways and does strange things to protect his called people. I don't know if this makes any sense to anybody or not this morning. But if you're sitting in this house today and you find yourself in Egypt if you don't know what you're doing 
And if you don't have the answers, and if you're just completely bum-fuzzled, I typed that word out when I was typing my sermon and I started to delete it. I thought, nobody says that, but my mama said bum-fuzzled all the time, so you got it this morning. Anybody ever been bum-fuzzled? You know what it means. If you're just completely bum-fuzzled and you're speechless about where you are right now, I want you to listen to your preacher this morning. God is still with you. I said God is still with you. See, God didn't just send you down into Egypt. No, no, no. God walked right down into Egypt with you. He was there before you got there. You may say, why would God raise up a man like Daniel? A God who, a, a man who was a chosen man, a, a choice servant, a prime example. Why would God raise up a man like Daniel and allow wicked, evil men to take Daniel and to cast him into the lion's den? God didn't just allow Daniel to be cast into the lion's den. God walked right down into that lion's den with Daniel and God kept the lion's mouth shut. If God is God, why would he allow three Hebrew children, three faithful servants of God, three faithful followers of Christ why would he allow them to be bound up, not just cast into the fire, but bound up and cast down into the fire. God didn't just allow that to happen. No, God said I'm going in that furnace with you boys. And then King Nebuchadnezzar looked in that furnace and he said did we not cast three into the fire? Were they not bound? But I see four men and they're loose and they're walking around and the fourth is like the Son of God. Why? I'll tell you why. Because God did not just allow them to be cast in. God went right down into that fiery furnace with them. Let me tell you what I'm trying to say to somebody here today. You may hear the roar of the lions. You may feel the heat of the fire. You might be experiencing the loneliness of Egypt. But God is still with you. He may not be talking. Hear me. He may not be talking all the time. But He's talking right now. And He's talking through me. And He's telling you, there's going to be a day. There is coming a day. Even though you might be in the deepest, darkest part of your Egypt right now, there is coming a day when God will call you out. There's coming a day when God will call you out of that situation and promote you. But here's the kicker. He can't call you out until He first has sent you down. But when He does, there will be an appointed time when He says to you, it's time to come out. I've protected you. I have prepared you. But now it's time to come out. I don't know why God sends us to Egypt before He sends us to the promised land. But I know that He's God. And I know that He knows what He's doing. And that's why you ought to just praise Him anyway, right in the middle of the circumstance. Because you can't see the end yet, but you can rest assured the end is coming. There is light at the end of the tunnel. So we ought not have to come in here on Christmas Sunday morning and pump up nobody and prime up nobody. No, you ought to come into His enter His gates with thanksgiving. You ought to come into His courts with praise. You ought to say, I've come 
come to worship the Christ child. I found the baby. He is Emmanuel. I may be going through Egypt, but God is still with me. You ought to give the Lord some praise this morning. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He's always with you. His Spirit dwells inside of you. When you are lost, He's with you as your guide. When you're alone, He's with you as a friend that sticks closer than a brother. When you're hurting, He's with you as your comforter. When you're afraid, He's with you as your peace. When you are sick, He's with you as your healer. When you are weak, He's with you as your strength. When you are dead and lost in your sins, He is with you as your Savior. He is Emmanuel who came to save people from their sins. God didn't just shout His good news from heaven. No, no, no. He came down to this earth. He was born as a baby. Lived 33 and a half years. Gave His life on a cross on a hill called Calvary. And they put him in a grave. But I'm so glad the story doesn't stop there. After three days of the devil partying and thinking he'd won the war, after three days he arose. He came out of that grave conquering death, hell, and the grave. Why? Because he's still with us. Shout amen, somebody. It could just very well be that before this year is over, and we don't have long left, that you're going to be called out of this situation. I don't know who I'm preaching to this morning. You've stayed here a long time. Is everybody all right back there? Okay. <laughs> You've stayed here a long time. Somebody just got called out of the chair or something, I think. You've had no answer for a long time. You may hear the voice of God calling you out of this darkness. But what I want you to understand is this. God never leaves you. He was with you before He saved you. Oh, it's going to get real quiet at this Pentecostal church this morning. I said He was with you before He saved you. Let's look at one verse in the book of Jude. Jude, verse 1. Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father, and preserved in Christ Jesus. He preserves you until that moment that He calls you. He's got His hand upon you. He's protecting you and preserving you until that moment when you know that Egypt is behind you. Now He's brought you to this place. I want us to look at some other scriptures. Listen, I'm not just trying to get you excited at the end of a message this morning, but I'm trying to help somebody today. And I want this to be burning in your heart when you leave here today. I want you to look at this. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6. Here's what it says. Let your conduct, your, your living, your life, is what He's talking about, be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. That's a whole other message. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, so that we may boldly say, boldly, that means puff right up in the face of the enemy and say, even when God isn't talking and when you can't hear Him and when you don't know how you got where you are, you can still stand up in the face of the enemy and you can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What 
can man do to me? That's what you can do. See, the older I get and the longer I preach, the more I realize it's not a sermon that needs to be preached. It's a truth that needs to be received. And right there is a truth that you need to receive this morning. You can boldly say, no devil, I know that the Lord is my helper. You know, the other day I was praying and thinking about a situation, and I, I began to, just in my phone, I got on the notepad. I started to do it on Facebook, but then I thought the way people are in this crazy world anymore, you post that, and they're going to be thinking, who's he talking about? I ain't talking about nobody but the devil. The problem is everybody wants to think that you're thinking they're the devil. If you got reason to think that people think you're the devil, hello. Might want to check yourself out. But I didn't get on Facebook and post it. I just got my little notepad and I typed it out as I remembered it. The devil is a sly old fox. Anybody remember that? If I could tie him up, I'd put him in a box. I'd lock that box and throw away the key for all the mean tricks he's played on me. Yeah, that's what, that's what I wish sometimes we could do with the devil. You can when you receive the truth of God's Word. I said you can when you receive the truth of God's Word. It's a truth that needs to be received. You can say, the Lord is my helper. He's my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. If God is for us, tell me who can be against us. Now, I want you to look at this other verse. Deuteronomy 31 and 6. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them for the Lord your God watch this he is the one who goes with you he will not leave you nor forsake you I want to tell you and I'm almost done this means something to me this morning he does not say I will go with you if you're always obedient he does not say I'll go with you if you'll be strong he does not say I'll go with you if anything but what he does say is you don't have to be afraid because I am with you. The word tells us he is the one who goes with us. So I want to ask you this morning, where are you at in your life right now? Can I tell you that God is there? He's right there. He is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you. Listen, you can't make him mad enough to leave you. You cannot offend him to the point that he will leave you. I'm losing some of you right now. You cannot insult him to the point that he will leave you. Oh, I'm crossing the bridge over on some Pentecostals that think you can lose your salvation as easy as you lose your keys. Hello. It ain't that easy. You ain't that powerful. I said you ain't that powerful. You cannot insult Him enough that He'll leave you. Sure, you can do things that will cause the Holy Spirit to take its flight from your life. Sure. But you cannot cause God to leave you. I've heard people say, and I'll be honest now, up until I prepared this sermon this week, I've never really thought about it, but I, I've heard people say, and I, I have probably believed it and agreed with them, I've heard people say, but, but I can leave him. I can choose to walk away and I can leave him. Well, I can see how you might believe that. But you really can't. Oh, getting real quiet right now. 
Somebody's going to call Cleveland and say, you need to listen to that preacher this morning. He's preaching eternal security up in that Church of God pulpit. I'm not preaching eternal security. I just can't find Bible to justify that. I went looking, and here's what it said. You can't really leave him because he's already said, I won't leave you. So that means the faster you run and the harder you run, the faster he runs. And the harder he runs after you. If you slam on the brakes, he slams on the brakes. If you go there, he's going there. You said, no, wait a minute, Pastor, you're off your rocker this morning. No, I'm not. The psalmist said it best. Look at what David said in Psalms chapter 139, verses 7 through 10. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are where? There. If I take on the wings of the morning and I dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there you shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. I came to tell you today, the Lord will not leave you. The Lord will not forsake you. And the Lord is the one who goes before you. Are you hearing what your pastor's telling you right now? When I get there, he was already there. Listen to me. We're not discovering new territory down here. We are not pioneers on a new path down here. When I get here, I'm going to say, whoa, there's God's footprints. He's already been here. He's already walked down this path. He's already been on this trail. His presence is already here. And God will say to you, I am with you. He is still with us. He will never leave us or forsake us. One more passage of Scripture, and I'm going to close. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Here it is again. Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed. What's this say? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. See, it's really hard for me to grasp that sometimes. There is not a place... That God says, oh, no, 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 I'm not going there. I'm too holy for that. That offends me. God don't say that, but people sometimes do. Ooh. No, I'm not going there. That offends me. He says, wherever you go, I will be with you. And there's a reason for what you go through. And here's the reason. The Word says, for the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Somebody says, yeah, but preacher, if you're a good man, you won't go places you shouldn't go. Well, I don't know how true that is either, because if you read that scripture, now listen, I ain't been going nowhere I shouldn't go. <laughs> no, don't y'all do that to me. But sometimes if you read that scripture and you read on, you'll find that sometimes people do do that. They may, their steps may be being ordered of the Lord, but sometimes they go astray because that passage of Scripture says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And it goes on right, the next thing it says is, and though he may fall, he shall not be utterly destroyed. For the Lord shall uphold him with his righteous right hand. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying you may not know how you got where you are. It may be part of your doing and it may not. 
But it doesn't matter where you are or how you got there this morning. I came to tell you that this baby that we've came into this house to worship and celebrate today, this Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God is with us, this baby is still with you today, right where you are, no matter where that may be in your life. He's here right now. Would somebody say, just say amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. If you'll stand with me all over the house, if they come to the music this morning. See, church, God is here in this house right now. He's with you right now. When you leave today, He'll be with you when you leave, wherever you find yourself. God is there. So I'm going to do just a little bit of preaching before I dismissed. You said, I thought that's what you already did. I did, but I'm going to do some more. If you find yourself in a fiery furnace, if you don't remember anything else about this message, you remember this. God's already there. If you wake up and lions are in your face just snapping at you, you remember God's already there. If you find yourself in prison, you remember He's already there. And if you find yourself in Egypt, I want you to know that God went down there before you did. And God is the one that will bring you out. Wherever you are, He's still with us. Somebody ought to say amen. Somebody ought to praise the Lord this morning. So here's what we're going to do before we open this altar. I want to ask you, if you will, to forget about everybody else that's around you. And I want you to lift up both your hands this morning. I don't care how high you lift them, just lift them up. And I want us to all together, just forget about everything and everybody around you. I want us to all together begin to just thank Him this morning. Can you think back to a time before you were saved that God saved your life? You could have been gone from here. You could have not... not been living anymore can you think of a time that if God had not stepped in you wouldn't have been here but why did that happen I'll tell you why that happened because God preserved you until the day that he called you so I want you right now to just begin to thank Jesus for saving your life right now begin to thank him for saving your soul right now God we thank you for loving us when we're unlovable God we thank you for loving us when we're rebellious and when we're stubborn and when we're hard headed we thank you that you loved us you saved us you preserved us and you protected us God we thank you that you've called us come on church just begin to thank him we thank you that your word promises us I'll never leave you I'll never forsake you I'll be with you all the ways hallelujah even to the end of the earth we thank you this morning Lord I don't like Egypt I never did like Egypt I still don't like Egypt I don't like lines I don't enjoy fire I don't enjoy being sold into slavery I don't enjoy being banished from family I don't enjoy being away from what's uncomfortable and what's familiar but God I know that your plan will always prevail I know that God you've gone here before I ever got there I know that God you put us here to protect us and to preserve us and so God right where we are right in the middle of it we give you praise today that you are still with us through it all we give you praise today hallelujah oh hallelujah we thank you Jesus 
Now with every head bowed and every eye closed, if there's somebody in this room today that says, I don't know this Jesus that you're preaching about today. I don't know Him like I should, but I'd like to know more about Him. If that's you, I want to invite you right now with nobody looking around to just slip out from where you are and come meet me in this altar. I want to tell you this will be the best gift that you'll ever receive if you'll come unwrap Jesus this morning. He's right here waiting on you. Now with nobody else looking around, if that's you, I want you to come on, step out from where you are. But if you're sitting there today and you say, Pastor, I'm in Egypt right now. I'm in a place in my life I don't really know how I got here, but I woke up and I'm here. And I want to come this morning because I believe that God is still with me. I'm going to come unwrap and receive that word as a gift this morning. If that's you, step out from where you are right now and begin to approach this altar. And then I want to ask this morning, anybody that will, that will come and receive what the Lord has said today, I want you to invite you to find a place in this altar. We're going to spend just a few minutes worshiping the Lord. If you believe what he said in his word to be true if you believe he's going to go with you always thank you if you believe he'll be with you always thank you they're moving all over the room i want to invite you if you will to come this morning feel this altar let's find a place to pray and i want you to just join with me and say god we thank you that you are emmanuel you are still with us all over the room as they sing